0: Welcome to Catch Outdoors, episode number nine, Fishing Hodgepodge, part two. I've gotten requests to continue this series, so I'll be adding it every so often, maybe every third episode, maybe fourth episode or so. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you know that you can contact me via email, catchyoutdoors at gmail.com. Our website's catchoutdoors.com. There you'll find the list of Episode, both past and future And yes, there's a Facebook page Catch Outdoors My second book has been released Bridge to Paradise Book of short stories about Fishing, and travel and life Thank you Middle River Press, my publisher You can purchase it on my website CatchyOutdoors.com. It's also now available on Amazon In both book and Kindle versions Fishing Hodgepodge Part 2 Well, fall's upon us. Uh, Now, here in Florida, fall still, honestly, on this coast lately, it still feels like uh, late, late, late summer. We've had a ton of rain. We've had temperatures close to 80 degrees, although the nighttime temperatures are certainly lower. They're not 80 like they are in the summer. They're down in the low 70s. But it's kind of hanging in there. Uh, So water temperatures on this coast, on the east coast of Florida, are still maintaining um but as i speak there is a cold front on the way a pretty major cold front something that's supposed to sweep all the way through florida and that's really really going to change things up so what i want to talk about to start off on the hodgepodge is cold fronts and because they are starting to move in especially upper west coast so as you start to go up to above tampa uh, cedar key and then south all the way down to naples you're going to really feel it on the east coast we feel it up in the Jupiter area, you know, the middle of the state. Uh, but then it really, really wanes as it gets further south. So uh, while we while we rejoice in cooler weather, we certainly don't get what the West Coast gets. Um, so I'm going to start with the West Coast changes, first of all. When a cold front comes through and sweeps through, what usually happens is uh, the wind blows. So in other words, you'll get a front. There'll be some moisture on the front, uh, usually rain uh, and then but it passes fairly quickly uh, sometimes not but most of the time then the wind shifts and the wind shift is the big deal it starts to come pretty much out of north if it's not north it's going to be one of the north northeast north northwest and it's going to blow pretty good and that is what affects the gulf fishing more than anything else gulf coast fishing more than anything else the internal bays, the the inside bays like where I used to fish, Pine Island Sound, Estero Bay, places like that along the Sanibel, Fort Myers Coast, are very shallow. There's not a lot of water in those bays. Matter of fact, the average depth is probably a little under four feet. I'm guessing probably closer to three for average. I mean, the channels might hold seven, but everything everything else is like two feet deep. And at low tide, it can be much less than that. When wind blows over shallow water, it turns it over real fast. And that fast turnover exposes it to cold air. So the water temperature drops rapidly. I have seen fishing on the West Coast, after a really good cold front, a 17 to 20 degree drop in water temperature. So suddenly a 70-something degree can be 50-something degrees within a day. And believe you me, that makes fishing extremely tough. So what to do? What to do? Slow down. (laughs) Slow everything down. Water temperature drop. Okay, fish are are cold water creatures. Cold-blooded. Well, that too. (laughs) Cold-blooded creatures. They they have a thing called metabolism, just like people do. And that metabolism has to do with uh, the use of energy and how much food they need to produce energy. So uh, being a cold-blooded creature, as their body temperature drops, they need less and less energy, and they eat less and less. Pretty much they go into almost a hibernation state. They slow, uh, they don't readily eat, they don't, they're not aggressive, they don't attack stuff on the surface of the water, things like that. They pretty much kick back and, and uh, hibernate, I guess. is a good, it's, not, it's not a total hibernation, so that's not totally correct, but I think you get the idea. So slowing things down is really, really important. Uh, Presentations need to be on the bottom. A jig is a really good idea. Um, A piece of shrimp on the jig is also a good idea. Something uh, bite-sized, small, not too crazy. Uh, I've tried using white bait and things that move during the winter time when you can get them. That's another problem is netting bait becomes difficult in cold fronts. But They don't seem to be terribly responsive to that. They seem to be much more responsive to just good old-fashioned shrimp. Uh, So keep that in mind. It's time to put away the topwaters. As much as I hate to say that, as much as I enjoy fishing topwater chuggers and walking the dog baits, that's not a real good idea when you get a cold front. Uh, Fish are not going to be quite aggressive enough. And even if they do instinctively go after something like that, they're not going to chase it very far, and they might hit it once and go, it's not worth it. It's, it's too cold. <laughs> so slow, low, and and fresh bait. That's my highest recommendation. Get down on the bottom, work a jig with a bait on it, and work it slowly. If you're going to use an artificial, nothing wrong with that. I, I would get something that smells. Gulp shrimp, gulp curly tails, gulp, gulp uh, anything that's got like a stink to it. And do the same thing though. Slow it way down. Get it near the bottom, and don't go real rapidly fast. Uh, something that I've successfully used in cold water is DOA shrimp um, under a cork. This is on the Gulf Coast. I'll throw in the bays. I'll throw it. Uh, let the shrimp go down all the way, and you want to make sure your leader that's attached to the shrimp gets all the way to the bottom. Tap it a couple times and then let it rest. A lot of times they'll pick it up just out of instinct, and you'll see the cork start to gently move. It won't go crashing underwater like you see in the summer, but it'll kind of crawl, and uh, set the hook. You've probably got one on. Usually a sea trout, something like that, will pick it up. So that's another trick you can use when it gets cold on the west side. You can grab cut bait. I don't, I don't do it as often as I fish it in the summertime, fall and spring, but. When you start to get these winter cold fronts rolling in, um, you know ladyfish is is probably the one I'd recommend the most. Ladyfish will eat most any time. Ladyfish will eat in even the coldest water. They really will. They're they're pretty aggressive. Um, so if you get a ladyfish or two, you can use those as cut bait. Stake them, but make the cuts a lot smaller than you'd use in the summertime. Try to get the size down a little bit. Hook them up on a. Oh, a two-watt circle hook would be fine. And just the meat only. Don't weight it. Don't, don't put anything with it. Let it get itself to the bottom. Let the, let the weight of the bait take it down. And then once it's down there, don't move it a whole lot. Let the stink do the work for you. A ladyfish is highly potent. Um, it's oily. It emits a pretty strong odor. And the fish will attract to it. Um, so, you know, take, take your time with it and let it rest. Don't move it around a lot. You want to also work certain areas when it's cold. West Coast fishing would require you to work in ditches. So in other words, swales that happen at low tide. Um, it, it, when you have a bay, for example, an open bay in, on the West Coast, it's, it's going to be pretty true across the whole thing, but you're going to have these little swales. And so the water in those on a regular tide might be three feet, uh, where the rest of the bay itself is, is maybe uh, two and a half or so. So when the water starts to go out, the fish gravitate toward those. So look for low spots. A trick that I used to use is the crab traps. The crabbers will lay traps out on the bay, and they always lay lay them along the ditches. You'll notice the crab pots in a bay are not in a straight line like the stone crab pots are out in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And that's because the guys in the back are running those traps in like, it, it, there, sometimes there's one in a bay that's shaped i mean it's snake that's what it, it is snake shaped it just it runs in s's all the way across this one bay in a bay and you'll see the traps in there the buoys don't line up and that's why the guy's setting his traps in the deepest water want to know why <laughs> low tide. Winter tides are considerably lower than summer tides, so a low tide can expose areas. And things that you hadn't seen all summer long, Suddenly, you suddenly have land there. Um, if you put your crab pot in a place like that, the water will go down low enough to where uh, the pot would be exposed, and obviously what's in it would die. So they're very careful about making sure they put the pots in a place where they, they will continue to be covered by water, uh, during those low tides. So look for those crab pots in the winter. They're probably already setting in the ditch that you're hunting for. The wind of winter or the wind of fall, you're going to get it here anyway because the cold fronts are coming through in November. We don't celebrate winter until <laughs> officially December 21st. But we all know that it comes sooner than that. Well, I, I don't know about the rest of you that have been out there fishing in these bays, but I'll tell you one thing: I found that December can be one of the coldest months. January's bad, February's better, but uh, it's really funny. December seems to we just get front after front after front in December. Um, the thing you want to do is is just make sure that you you don't fight the wind; you use it to your advantage. Um, wind on wind on a island or wind on mangrove is usually pretty effective provided it's not really really bitter cold so if you can get a breeze on say a mangrove edge or a mangrove shoreline and there's water there in other words four feet or so of water along that edge those fish will be there they'll work that because what's happening is small little critters bait crabs things like that are getting shoved into that area because of that wind and those fish will will feed right on those edges so don't don't try to hide from the wind. I know you're going to want to because it's cold, but it's not advised. If you can fish the wind on, a, on a, uh, a mangrove edge or a mangrove island, you're going to catch a whole lot more fish than fishing the backside or fishing out of the wind. The species to hit this time of year, uh, obviously, okay, the two easiest to catch are going to be sea trout and ladyfish. Sea trout, um, they are not a cold water fish, but they certainly don't care if the water's cool. They'll, if the water gets down in the 60s, they will readily feed, unlike a snook, which will just disappear. Um, redfish do too. Redfish are pretty good about cooler water. They're not aggressively feeding. So, again, you got to get back to that slow and low on the bottom for them. Um, the, biggest, the biggest one you're going to run into the most of all is going to be sheep's head. Um, sheep's head are a kind of a, an oddity, if you will, for Florida. They're, they're, they spawn, they winter spawn. And they come near shore and inshore to do that spawning. So you'll get the absolute biggest ones that time of the year. Now put away those artificials if you're messing with sheep. <laughs> okay, it can be done. I- I've done it. It ain't easy, so don't. <laughs> Your best bet is shrimp on a jig head, f- fished right on bottom, preferably near an oyster bar edge. So in other words, you got a bar, got an oyster area, an oyster bed you're familiar with, and it, and it, ta- it, it, it you know, tapers off to sand or mud, that's where you want to be. It's right on that edge. Um, I just I use a quarter-ounce jig, and I put a half a shrimp on and toss it out there. Let a munch set the hook. Don't hesitate on sheep's head. Sheep's head are you know, nibble, nibble, go. If you don't go, they're going to nibble, nibble the bait right off, and you're just going to start over. You'll catch all sizes in the winter. You'll get small ones. You'll, you'll get little eight inchers, um, seven inchers, but you'll also get some monsters, um, 19, 20 inch fish, things that weigh seven or eight pounds. So those big ones come in at that time of year. They also love the fish on the near shore. I call them the reefs, the, the fishing wrecks, If you, not wrecks, but the fishing reefs, the, the man-made ones. Uh, Off of Astero, there's the May Reef system. The May Reef is huge. There's all kinds of rock piles and oystery stuff and just all kinds of stuff out there. And that's a really good place for winter sheep set. You have to move around a bit. It gets pounded pretty hard by fishermen that know it. So this is no big secret. Uh, But shrimp on a jig drop to the bottom works the absolute best. The only time you will struggle is if the current's real strong out there. If you've got a normal tide um, than sheep sheepset are a real possibility. But that's a winter go-to. They're delicious. The white They're white meat fish. They taste good. They're sweet. Um, they're harder than hell to clean. I'm not going to kid you. You better put a glove on unless you like getting spined and poked and all kinds of stuff during the cleaning process. They, they aren't easy. And be careful when you handle them while they're alive. They'll poke you. They'll get revenge. They've also got a, a nasty set of teeth that you absolutely do not want to mess with. They use those teeth to break open oysters and clams to give you an idea of how strong their jaws are. So be cap- careful in that regard. So there you go. you got sea trout, food. You've got sheep's head, food. Pompano along the beaches. They come and go. I'm not going to say the pompano are like they're all the time in the winter, but they will be there. You have to fish like the uh, openings of passes that lead out onto white sand. Ladyfish are go-to for action. Not good to eat, but a lot of fun to catch, so don't be afraid to mess with them. Um, what else? Let's see. Uh, and then in, in the inshore waters, I mentioned redfish. Don't worry so much about snook unless you can get way back in a creek that's a whole lot warmer than the rest of the water. But they'll be active if, if they're there. I mean, if, if you're there and you're in the right spot, I'm not going to say they, they that they won't eat. They will. Uh, but you're going to have to really, really work at it to get that to happen. Out in the Gulf, uh, grouper both uh, uh, gag and and red are good um, the seasons of course will be closed uh, by the end of December so keep that in mind um, and then you've also got a lot of other fish out there a lot of snapper in the winter time if the weather's right and the wind's not blowing but it's still cool I, I like going out and fishing the reefs and stuff out there in the wrecks uh, especially for mangrove snapper uh, so keep that in mind that's a that's another winter go-to that'll That'll kind of save the day for you. Now, let's swing it to the other coast. Let's talk Atlantic. This is going to be a whole lot different. It's taken me two years to get used to this. Let me tell you what. Because like right now, tarpon are beginning to show up in Biscayne Bay. So <laughs> people on the other coast, on the west coast, are going, tarpon? Seriously? Yeah, well, yeah, you can get inshore tarpon. You can get the resident little guys down in the 10,000 islands. But I'm talking tarpon, tarpon. Uh, They start to swing in there. The water temps will stay in the 70s on this coast, Um, and and it'll stay that way. Like I said, we get a front. The front is not a big deal over here. Uh, The bays are deeper um, than they are on the west coast. And, of course, you've got the Atlantic Ocean, in which the temperature is fairly consistent, and you have the Gulf Stream, which keeps water temperatures fairly consistent. So 70s hang in there all winter long for us over here. Um, it's a really good time for a couple of species besides tarpon, and that's wahoo, trolling for wahoo, which happens to be my favorite fighting fish and my favorite eating fish. I don't think there's anything finer than wahoo for dinner. Um, And then there's sailfish. And sailfish season really picks up over here in the winter because I I know those of you with a weak stomach while on water are not going to like this, but sailfish bite best when it's rough. When you got a rolling sea out there, minimum four to five with busting up the sevens, that's what the sailfish like. And they just they come in big time when it starts to get that way. The weather's nasty. It's blowing. The water's rolling. The boat's rolling. You have to brace yourself. You come home with bruises. But on a good day, six, seven hookups on sailfish, sometimes more. I, I talked to one guy last year. Uh, they did 13 of them in one morning out here off of the Miami coast. So uh, it's a good time. If you haven't, if sailfish is on your bucket list and you haven't done a sailfish, winter is a good time to go after them. Recently, the pompano started showing up along the East coast here on the beaches. Um, Matter of fact, I've seen lots and lots of pictures. If I just had the time, I'd get back out there. I can't wait for Thanksgiving to settle down and maybe get a little lull here between there and Christmas. So I can get out there and do a little beach fishing, but uh, the pompano are running and they're, and, and there's a, a couple people that posted not recently, recently actually recently, and uh, they got their limits in about 30 minutes. <laughs> so that's that's a lot of Pompano moving through. Um, sand fleas are the bait. You dig in the sand to get them. I mean that is absolutely the best. However, there's lots of artificial. I call them weird cut baits. Um, these are these are strips baits. They're strips of of tasty. Rubber, <laughs> rawhide, or whatever you want to call it. There, it's weird. Uh, fish bites is one that comes to mind. That's one I like to use. They come in different flavors. And believe it or not, you can get sand flea. Um, those are real popular, especially on double dropper rigs. When you got the rig out there, it's got a hook up and a hook down. Um, and then on the bottom of that, you put a nice big pyramid sinker, anywhere from uh, a half, quarter, full ounce, two ounces, three ounces, depends on the winds and the water. Rougher, the bigger. That's, it's pretty simple, but you don't, after you make a nice cast and get your bait out there into the air, you hope that you hope that the pompano are running in, or you've seen them splashing. Uh, the last thing you want to do is have that thing crawl back into you with the surf. Uh, so you use a pretty heavy weight to keep it on the bottom. Um, but that, you know, that's, that's an awful lot of fun. Uh, the rigs used for that are long rods, uh, 10 footers, uh, some are 12s. Uh, I think mine are both 11s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, pretty good size reel. They're specialty reels, by the way, Penn makes a nice one. The face of the reel is a little different, so it'll cast further, um, because you really have to haul those baits out there in a lot of cases. Sometimes not, sometimes the pompano will be almost at your feet, but most of the time they're out past the bar, the bar break. So, um, keep that in mind. So, there's specialty rigs that you might need to uh, pull this off. Um, rod holders, a chair. This is relaxing fishing. This, you know, When you fish on the west coast and you fish the beaches, um, it's, there's a lot of activity and you walk and you move a lot. Over here, you don't really do that quite as much, especially in the winter. You want stuff to just sit because the water's cooler. Um, I don't mess with artificials along the beach. You can. There's lots of them out there. Uh, you can check out, there's, there's a lot of casting lures from Yazuri and Rapala and those, the, the typical lure companies have these castable lures. They're heavy, uh, double um, uh, treble hooks, uh, but you retrieve them, you haul them out there and then retrieve them. But in wintertime, I, I like to use that old rule of slowing it down quite a bit, even over here, even though the water is not as cold as it is on the West Coast. Offshore, the, probably the biggest thing is, I mean, obviously you're going to go after Wahoo, but there's also a mixture of, um, dolphin, um, Mahi Mahi. I don't want to finish it. We don't eat dolphin flipper. Okay. That's a, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I always like to point that out because I usually get weird emails after I say that. Um, Ballyhoo, uh, trolled with a skirt and skirt colors vary widely that go on the Troll valley and you'll hear every angler out there's got some favorite thing. I like pink, okay? That's what I use, pink and white. However, there's chartreuse and greens and blues and reds and uh, everything you can imagine, and everybody swears by it. So, I'm starting to wonder if it's really the color so much as it is just the action of it moving with a flashy skirt on top of a nice big old fat ballyhoo. (laughs) You know, I'm one of those believers in action and motion and movement versus color. While color can be important, of course, I don't think it's the end all be all. And that's because I've been on boats with people casting and they'll be casting a color. I'm casting a different color. Uh, the guy casting the color that's working, the other guy, he's nailing fish right and left. I'm not. So I switched to his color. And then I'm not catching fish anyway again. He's still catching fish. That tells me I'm not, I'm not playing the action game. I'm not working a bait like I'm supposed to be working it. And that, to me, is much more important than... The color of the bait. I really the color of the lure, the color of the action uh, of the jig or whatever. I really think it's it's the person using it and how it's used that's more important. My experience with the Florida Keys. Let's go down south. My favorite place. I, I'm not going to kid you. It's in Florida. It is my favorite place. Um, it doesn't change much with the seasons, but that's a rather Awful blank statement that probably shouldn't be used because it kind of does. The biggest change is tarpon. The tarpon that have been uh, on the West Coast uh, back in May and June that that migrated all the way up to the Panhandle have returned and they've already gone past um, on their return trip, they've already gone past the uh, West Coast locations. They're headed for the keys as the water cools off and the bait moves. They just chase the boot and the bait, and they're chasing uh, uh, pilchers pretty much. Um, so one of the best times to get tarpon in the Florida Keys is now, all the way through the winter, um, along any of the bridges. Uh, they like to hang out when that current is moving pretty rough through in and out underneath those bridges. Uh, you'll find a good mix of tarpon. One of my favorite places is right there off Alamorada, of You know when you're heading out of Alamorada. Toward Ann's Beach, you go over a series of bridges. Those things are pretty good. And then all the way down south to um, toward the Key West, any of the bridges, the big bridges that go over some of the larger passes will almost always have tarpon parked in them. Now, some of those tarpon will continue to migrate. They'll head over to Cuba. Uh, they might even go as far as Belize and South America, but most of them, because it's comfortable and there's food, will we'll stop in that area. So I guess that's probably the biggest change you'll see in, in winter. Sea trout redfish, snook, they continue to bite in the Florida Keys. Now, they'll be put off a little by a front, and the wind starts blowing that kind of stuff, but the water temperature pretty much maintains that lower 70 degree temperature, Uh, so it doesn't really change much. I don't remember ever going after sheep's head in the winter in the Keys. That was a west coast thing I did. Down in the Keys, I was always targeting snook, reds, and sea trout. Uh, On the open flats, bonefish, um, when the wind's not howling. I like to go out to bonefish and, of course, permit. I love shark fishing. Down the Florida Keys, sharks are all over the inside flats on Florida Bay. And if you get a kick out of sharks, all it requires is a a decent rod. doesn't have to be heavy duty, just a a decent, you know, a a medium weight rod. Um, Something that's castable, spinning reel. And then put a chunk of uh, frozen mullet, you know, thaw, just a chunk of mullet on the end of it. Something stinky, because uh, you don't really go after lady. I don't, well, I didn't go after ladyfish down there. I pretty much bought packages of mullet. Throw it right in front of the path of the shark. He gets all twitchy and weird. He picks it up, and off he goes, and fun, fun, fun. Because there'll be lemons and bulls and black tips and hammers, just all kinds of stuff inside the bays, And I've always loved shark fishing, sight fishing for sharks. On the outside, there are giant schools of ballyhoo. They they gather up on the edges of all the different reefs. Uh, there'll be pelagic predators on them, so you'll have um, kudas, uh, wahoo. Um, you'll have some uh, dolphin. Will be attacking from different angles. Um, it's pretty exciting, and then you're going to have on you know fish coming up from the bottom too. If the water's shallow enough, some of your larger snapper will attack some of those fish. Grouper will come up and hit them. So it, it depends on your on your depth, of course. But but the the bait schools are pretty uh, pretty enormous. There's also tuna and sailfish and kingfish mixed in. So <laughs> it's it's like the Keys are fun in the winter. I, I am not going to kid you fishing in the Keys offshore can be done a a gazillion different ways. Uh, I like jigging. I like dropping stuff down to the bottom in 40, 50 feet of water and jig it. So a heavy jig, heavy jig head or a jigging lure, um, works pretty good for some of the, some of the fish. A lot of it requires some bait being attached to it. So that will make your life a little simpler. Trolling live bait is really good. Slow trolling live bait also works good. Um, Dead ballyhoo. You, you don't have to have fresh, live, netted ballyhoo. You can stop in the stores and get dead ballyhoo. The frozen ballyhoo packages, a lot of them are pre-wired. A lot of them are already pre-rigged for you. All you got to do is just put them on and, and away you go. Slow troll those or troll them along weed lines out in the Atlantic um, off of the Florida Keys. If you find a good weed line, man, work it. Don't, don't avoid a weed line. You'll almost always find something decent in, in those locations. In some areas, you'll see Fairly large schools of pelchards, um, white bait, as we call them, minnows, <laughs> shiners, whatever whatever your name is, greenies, whatever your name is for them. Now you throw a net on those things, and they become, those Those are a true filet mignon out there on the, on the reefs off of the Florida Keys. Um, I used to love getting my hands on those things. Sometimes the Spanish sardines would come in. You get, ooh, man, those fish love Spanish sardines. That's a softer, a little harder-to-use bait, but it really, really works on the offshore reefs. And again, all the species are there. What I'm trying to point out is the Florida Keys are just radically different in the winter. Uh, well, no, it's radically the same. That's really what it is. It stays very much the same. It's just more comfortable. You've got there in shirt sleeves, and, and you're not going to sweat to death. Uh, there's the chances of rain are way down. The occasional front comes through that's about it the occasional cold front comes through and while i'm thinking about that one of the neat things about the keys is the way they the, where they are now the florida keys are the tail end of florida but most folks don't unless you get a map out and look at it the keys run east southwest so in other words gently southwest <laughs> they do not run south toward cuba all right so it's it's a curved line of islands that run off the tip of florida because of that they're a great wind block from whichever way the wind is coming. So keep that in mind. If you go down there and there's a wind blowing out of the south-southeast and it's just knocking you around or, or even out of the east and you just can't seem to get out in the Atlantic and it's just, it's just rolling you around, you can go inside, provided your boat's not a great big Viking. <laughs> but typically you can run inside and fish the inside bays that are protected by that. When you get a big north wind, the opposite is true. If the wind's blowing and howling out of the north, there's no reason you can't go through a pass and fish the near shore Atlantic. I'm not talking about going out deep. You can't do that either. But as long as you're getting a little wind break, uh, you can get some fishing done. And that's important because I'll be honest with you, the wind does blow in the keys. It just does. Winter, summer, spring, fall, it doesn't matter. There's always a breeze going on. It's rarely ever just dead calm. So you kind of have to play that wind game and be aware that's going to happen to you if you've never been to the Keys before. One more thing before I go. Florida Bay and above the Florida Keys. Those can be accessed from Flamingo. If you trailer a boat all the way down the uh, uh, Everglades National Park entrance on the Miami side, you can get down to Flamingo and launch there. You can also come down from the west side if you're quite the boater. <laughs> but Florida Bay is uh, uh, it, it is just a, an unbelievably great place to fish. It's wide open spaces. You don't run into a lot of people there because of the amount of space. Uh, be aware that a great big chunk of it is in the uh, Everglades National Park, so you need your your, uh, uh, access card and things like make double check what you're required to carry when you go into the national park. Now you basically have to be a paying customer. You can get lifetime cards. You can get yearly and annual cards for access to the park and you will be checked. So make sure you do that. Um, on the inside, um, I, I pretty much target snook and reds. That's pretty much what I was after. There were also a couple of really excellent flats that you'll find, um, sea trout on, but if you move to the Western edge of the uh, of Florida Bay over where it starts to meet the Gulf of Mexico. So it's those outer edge islands, uh, pretty much demarked by the, um, Everglades national park line. Um, you will run into Cobia, uh, some bottom flounder. Um, it's, it's a pretty interesting place where fish sort of just suddenly change. You suddenly see things you hadn't seen a lot of triple tail. You'll see triple tail on buoys. You'll see them, heck, you'll see them out in the open water, just swimming on the surface, uh, I don't know why they do that, but they do in that particular area. So keep that in mind. When you get on that far outer edge, that can be a, a really, really exciting place to be. I hope this helped. I love taking fishing a my sponge. I like talking about fishing. I talk about fishing all day long. That's the scary part. I talk about it more than I do it. <laughs> That's also the scary part. Plan on getting back out there a lot more real soon. Thank you all so much for listening. Without listeners like you, I wouldn't have a podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend. You can reach me via email at catchoutdoors at gmail.com. All questions and suggestions for past, current, and future podcast subjects are more than welcome. Catch Outdoors is hosted by Anchor and available via Spotify. Our Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. Our website is catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.